On this episode of Fauda, we chilled with Nate Armstrong, a childhood friend of Tariq's and one hell of a character. Nate spoke to us about growing up in Lebanon as a white kid from Springfield, Missouri. He opened up about being raised in a Christian missionary household, fitting into Lebanese society and recounted memories of growing up here. We talked about struggling with identity crisis, the ultimate sadness of being a Lebanese expat, and the future of Lebanon. Initially, when we moved out here, obviously the purpose is for um, missionary work. I'm the um, white Christian kid coming in. <laughs> so uh, it, was a, it was an interesting experience. The friction was not necessarily just because my dad was like, I don't believe in what you're doing, but also I think maybe more internally. Interacting with people who had a more, well, like, I'd say, American demeanor or outlook um, was actually kind of strange to me. Obviously, I've had a few moments growing up that I really started questioning, you know, like where I was coming from. Nathaniel Armstrong. Yes, sir. I'm Nathaniel Fun Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth, we're gonna have the Kenneth as well. That's my That's name. I'm super, super excited for today, honestly. Bro. Yeah, man. Like me I was too. telling you off camera, Tariq has told me a lot, bro. Most what? of it good. All right. <laughs> Most <laughs> of it good. I'm I hope so. Most honestly. of it good. <laughs> the name Nate Armstrong gives me so much joy because it's oh like there's a person in Lebanon, grew up here. His name is Nate Armstrong. I don't know why that gives me so much joy, <laughs> but where I are you mean, like originally from? So I was born in Springfield, Missouri. In the United States. So I didn't even know that. You didn't know that. You told me Kansas, the fucking idiot. <laughs> my my grandparents um, lived in Kansas, and um, so we used to go there every other summer and just kind of post up in Emporia, Kansas. It's nice, but it's small town USA. It's nothing to really write home about. But yeah, I'm from Springfield. <laughs> When I was two years old, and my brother Wesley was around eight months or something, parents moved us from the United States to Lebanon. Uh, my dad's a, um, he's a Baptist missionary. So we came here on religious purposes first and foremost. And um, yeah, then my older brother Luke and my sister Lauren were both younger, born here. Your younger brother Luke. My young, yeah. You so said older. Did I say older? Yeah. Okay, my older brother. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, they were both born here at uh, Trad Hospital. So... Yeah, um, relocated from the United States against my will. What? what against <laughs> your will? I mean, you don't have much choice at two years old, do you? Yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like many people uh, get kidnapped against their will to this country. <laughs> it does happen. It's been known to happen. Yeah. yeah. But what year was this? So, like, you this came here. 98. Yeah, 98. He's 90, oh, you were born 96, March mm. 6, 96. Before I came here. Thank <laughs> you for giving out all my, all my details to the world. Yeah. People could wish you a happy birthday, bro, next time. Uh, <laughs> if anyone yeah. wants to dox him. Yeah, if you want to dox me, <laughs> you got it all there. So, 98, you <laughs> came here. So, you're basically, I mean, you're Lebanese, essentially. You're not, like, uh, more or less. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there were, you told me once that there were only two years where you moved back to the States. We moved back to the States when I was in, I think, second grade, from second to third grade, um, to Chicago. Yeah. My dad was doing his PhD at the University of Chicago. Yeah. So we moved back there for a bit, and then when he finished his PhD, we moved back to, back to Beirut. Back to Beirut, mm -hmm. okay. So you just stayed in Chicago for a year, and then you came back. A year and a half, too. Did you guys move back for the same reasons as you initially moved? Yeah. Um, so initially, when we moved out here, 
obviously the purpose is for um, missionary work. So coming and doing that stuff. But my dad is also interested in academia. Um, he's a very smart guy, you know, shout out dad. <laughs> but, um, but what the main point was that logistically, we realized that it's better if we have a longer stay if he comes here for like an actual job purpose, as opposed to being here on a Rajaldin uh, type vibe. So um, in order to work at AUB, which is what he ended up doing, um, got his PhD, and then when he came back, got a position, and the rest is history. Didn't you say that, didn't your dad also do a PhD in AUB as well? Or something? No, no, no. He didn't do, he never did a PhD? Not in AUB. Oh, right, okay. No, no, no. He did a PhD in University of Chicago. Yeah. But no, he just teaches at AUB. So you were in Lebanon, you lived here for most of your life. And I guess, I remember before, so I met you in IC in ninth grade. But I didn't, like, I remember you told me before you came to IC, you went to which school? Lebanese Evangelical School, if I'm not mistaken. I went to Beirut Baptist School. Beirut Baptist in School, okay, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Shouts out. Yeah, and um, we're giving a lot of shout outs there. I like yeah. it. <laughs> but that's uh, what I do. <laughs> so I see and Beirut Baptist School are two totally different. Like when you talk about the types of people that you would meet over there, I feel like the crowds are a bit different. There is a different vibe, definitely, yeah. between and the general people. When you when you first moved to I see, I don't know how like I remember I remember I remember the first day you came to class, you were wearing <laughs> that uh, American football t shirt. Was I actually yeah. probably the Patriots <laughs> the shirt? The Patriots one, the Patriots one. Fuck yeah. You remember the first class we had was Arabic and they were make they're trying to separate special they were trying to spe- separate kids who are going to special Arabic and normal Arabic and they had to read and for some reason you were a bit nervous and you're yelling like what you're like screaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your face got so red. <laughs> like what the fuck is weird about it? Yeah man. And then like Nathaniel I Armstrong. was a nervous child, I still occasionally <laughs> and, uh, am. They're like Nathaniel Armstrong and then to see Sam and Shahrur, right? just it looks like he's laughing. bursting. Yeah. Oh my God, I swear. <laughs> the stress. That, bro, the problem is, I think I talked to someone once and they're like, how does it feel to carry the weight of that name? <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the That's fuck so true. <laughs> <How many laughs> Honestly, so like, true. it sounds way more regal than I actually am. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like I should be, I don't know, you sound way like more a, impressive than uh, my name actually is. You're like a off. decorated war general. You know? I know, like that's what people always Yeah, they're like, oh man, I thought you were some big shit. Nah. How many times would people go up to you like, oh, Armstrong, you're going to the moon? Or like, yeah, I had a few of those. A few of those. When Neil Armstrong died, um, a kid in our grade came up to me and said, my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, bro. Which Thanks, says, which I Which says all it. you need to know about Lebanese culture. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Which yeah. says all you need to know. I was like, I appreciate it, bro. But how was your experience in, like, I know, well, we'll obviously you're going to get into IC because I know you guys have a shit ton of memories. Uh, but in the evangelical school, like, Very was... Sorry, Baptist school. Uh, was that, like, smooth sailing? Did you have trouble acclimatizing? Or, or how, how was that kind of experience? Mm. It was okay. I mean, so I never really felt, I mean, at least at the time, I didn't feel out of place because, um, I mean, that's all I ever knew. But the older I got, the more I was kind of aware of being um, the only white kid in the whole school, which is what it is. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think um, being, and also, so, all right, a little bit of a tangent, but my mom was the elementary school division head. So like, you know what I mean? Like a director. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like a director. So I'm a white, I'm the American kid who shows up to the school. My mom is running shit. Uh, my dad teaches chapel because every week you had mandatory chapel class for like a, an hour or something. My dad teaches chapel. So I'm the, I'm the um, white Christian kid coming in. 
<laughs> so uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience, and it was something I think that identity that kind of gets thrust upon you. Something I had to deal with for a while, you know, figuring out like where do I sit, like where do I actually even stand, probably in this whole um, this whole environment, you know. Even though I felt one way, I was often perceived another, and then obviously I started changing my actions to meet the perception. To meet the perception, yeah. I think a book that really resonated with me was um, Edward Said's Out of Place. And I mean, not everything, obviously, because he has his own experience, but the the concept of kind of having conflicting identities, you know, different backgrounds, regional, geographic, um, social, etc., that all kind of come and crash in this one point. And then how do you balance that? How do you work through that? You know, whatever. I think that was something that when I was younger, I never really knew how to deal with. Yeah. And I've dealt with it better. But also, I think that the older I've gotten, the more I realize that I think to some degree, everybody really has to come to grips with like their identity, you know, like where are they from? Even if you come from a small town and you stay in your small town, let's say America, from my example, from my experience, I still think that there's always that continual like adapt adaptation process mm -hmm. where you figure out, you know, where do I stand in with everything? And I feel that goes on for the rest of your life. Oh like yeah. You never really find out who you are you're constantly finding out more and more shit and that just comes into play with the experiences that you have true and uh, so we were talking about your experiences in the beirut baptist school mm -hmm. so you were saying so you had your dad that was working there along with your mom mm -hmm. did you have a lot of friends there yeah i had quite yeah. a few friends yeah it was good so you weren't like shy you don't, you don't think that affected your personality well, you weren't alienated essentially yeah. because Not you were this complete i mean this literally this alien coming yeah. from from springfield you know yeah exactly um, yeah not necessarily i wasn't I, i didn't feel alienated that much i i felt little at odds with certain things but i never felt like alien and what um, sense in what sense were you at odds like just like i said before i guess perception versus okay, like reality fair, fair enough, you know and enough. also then to add insult to injury my mother was the uh fucking elementary school division head yeah. so People are like, oh, if he gets in trouble, whatever, Your mom's fine, his mom's out, fine. Yeah. But then my mom would do the opposite and she'd be like, all right, you're in trouble here. And then you get wrecked at home. Yeah, she'd, and She'd whoop your ass. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And it, it was just kind of, <laughs> it was this whole thing because people are like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was, but it was interesting. I mean, I, I can kind of relate because I mean, okay, I had a, a different upbringing, but my father's from Finland. Okay. And... Uh, I think you can all agree I don't look like your stereotypical Lebanese, Lebanese yeah. no, not really. especially with the height and everything which kind of also made me st uh, like stand out so I felt always growing up that I needed to overcompensate so, so like if I would go to a retail store a restaurant and someone would look at me and they'd speak to me in English I'd always want to talk to them in Arabic to be to like show them, yeah, that yeah, yeah I don't know why just I, I had this do that. I wanted to yeah. prove myself that no 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 I'm not an Ejnabi you know I, I mean I can kick it with you as well I can speak Arabic so I think I kind of understand where you're coming from. How except would that go for you, though? Because your Arabic's really good. My Arabic is shit, that's true. <laughs> I would say, like, three words. Abek lek, ahwe, habibi, Every time I have a phone call and somebody starts talking to Ryan in Arabic, he just passes the phone I over to me. I got, like, a mini yeah. panic attack to it. Nah, right. But you, you speak fluently, no? I wouldn't say fluently. He speaks good. Speak but, uh, yeah, I'm mean, a little rusty since I'm in, uh, I've been in Vienna for yeah, a year. Yeah, so yeah. my Arabic's not that great. So what year did you then go to IC? You mentioned it was ninth, ninth grade, grade, right? Look, IC um, has a reputation... Uh, you know, it's a private school. I'm not trying to this. I went to also an American private school. But um, it must have been a big culture shock coming into a school that, let's say, is a lot more probably affluent than the school yeah. that you were previously in. Was was that a bit of a... Was there a bit of kind of stigma there or getting used to it? or? Um, yeah, there was. I, I think I remember at the beginning that 
I didn't feel like I really clicked. Um, you know, I, I guess just from like a social background. Also something that I don't really talk about much that really uh, surprised me, which I heard up until then because we had, I had friends who were Americans who were in a similar situation as us. They were in IC. And, um, but the fact that people were way more like well-spoken in English, at least at the time and stuff when I was younger, and um, there was more of a Western vibe and stuff almost threw me for a loop. Something I still experience even when I go to the States, even in Austria, like being confronted with that was confusing to me. It almost felt strange to be around certain cultural uh, norms or at least ways of interacting that should have been more familiar to me. Where well, an see And I see. Well, like, can you give an example? When I showed up and Maruf was like, hey, bro, what's up? Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> nobody talks like, nobody yeah, at yeah. the time at least, nobody talked like that really yeah. and with that type of an accent. Yeah. And Maruf especially, Maruf. Like, how's yeah, really yeah. Really I was like, like, holy shit, bro. I'm in the States. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, but you yeah, think yeah. that would kind of relax you, right? Like, oh, I, okay, this is more my forte. I mean, not really because... Um, I never, even though I, for a long time I used to say that America was my home, I guess I kind of just said that because that's where I was born. I didn't really know that I, just because you're born somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that that's your home. It's, that's a controversial topic, but yeah. that's what I believe at least. Um, and so interacting with people who had a more, well, like, let's say, American demeanor or outlook um, was actually kind of strange to me because it reminded me of going to the States every other summer for like a month or two. And interacting with people like that, which to me was like, I was on vacation. You know, this this was like a temporary thing. And then when I went home, okay. I was here. Interesting. So being around that was actually kind of surprising, at least at the beginning. Yeah, I remember when you first came to IC. So I think me and you didn't actually start clicking and becoming close. I think even you in particular, like you were a bit more reserved in ninth grade. I was very shy. You, yeah, your first year, you didn't make that many friends. Or I didn't say that you weren't as popular as you were. Later on, I was think I it was ever that popular though. <laughs> no, <laughs> I like uh, that humility. That's what we need. We need more uh, of that. <laughs> I don't know about that. I would say I just spit facts, man. maybe <laughs> around like I felt it wasn't until you tenth grade, your second year, and I see when you started becoming more comfortable with yourself and more comfortable in interacting with people around you, and that's when I, I agree. Really started really started talking, and I think eleventh grade was when we became very good friends. Uh, yeah, that that sounds like what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I think so. And I remember so when when Nate. When Nate first came to IC, he was, uh, because he had a very religious upbringing, he was also up until like uh, maybe 11th grade, his take towards stuff was like very religious. I so was going to ask, yeah. We were, mm -hmm. we were, it was mm -hmm. 10th grade and we were doing, uh, we were in biology class and Baltica was uh, doing, <laughs> yeah, talk about evolution. And did I, I argue against her? <laughs> yeah, you, you went crazy, <laughs> yeah, bro. Of course I did. <laughs> I remember because Samir was with you in class. I don't even remember that shit. Bro, Samir Shahru, every time that oh, motherfucker man. would laugh, you just look at me and start bursting and then I can't laugh. Yeah, I just yeah, start yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember like, bang the table. Did I bang it? This is blasphemy and this oh, goes against wow. the word of Christ. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I was I was a bit of a I used to wild out a bit when I was yeah, younger. Yeah, I mean it's expected, you know. And then, bro, fucking, uh, we entered eleventh grade, and then the shift, the shift. <laughs> <laughs> this kid was like really into like emotional into whiplash. For yeah, sure. he was like very reserved and saying, "Bro, eleventh grade, he's coming up and talking to us about like techno raves and fucking Bergheim <laughs> and I don't know what uh, teenagers, average teenagers. Yeah. Total. I think switch. that it comes with the territory yeah, eventually. The territory, you know, you start exploring your identity. Plus, he probably corrupted you, from what I'm. <laughs> oh guessing. yeah, it was all his fault. <laughs> it was all his fault. Officer, it, it, was usu him. it, it was usually him. is. But that must have been because I mean, okay, we're in the Middle East, but we also are in comparison to other countries, we are quite liberal. 
And growing up, it's the same as kids in the US or kids in the Western world. We get drunk, we uh, chase after girls or guys or whoever want, you know what I mean, whatever suits you, <laughs> whatever you're into. Um, and so what I'm, yeah, that's the thing. And then you're coming from a religious background and they're teaching a subject like that. And you've been brought up in a certain way, in a certain mentality, but obviously, and then that led to the evolution thing and coming, which, yeah, is, yeah. A really, which is a really funny story. No, yeah, I don't Do you remember, remember that, that, by the Not way? Not at all. No. I it's like a blank. Yeah, I probably like, you know, iced it out. You know, okay. I just like cut it out of my memory. Fair enough. But did you feel the shift? Like, did you feel that there was like this mm -hmm. kind of pivotal moment where you open up your eyes and you're like, all right, actually this, you yeah. know, my religious background is not really for me and I'm going to go down this path possibly. Yeah, I mean, obviously I've had a few moments growing up that I really started questioning, you know, like where I was coming from and starting to realize that even though I have so much respect and love for my family and what they believe in, and I started realizing that maybe this isn't my choice and this was thrust upon me and it wasn't done maliciously. Um, my parents never did that because they mm. wanted to do just an upbringing. It just yeah, yeah. That's what, what they, they know yeah, and exactly. what they want to like teach. Any family, yeah. Like any family. Exactly. Totally normal, totally yeah. Normal. And, but, um, there were a few moments where I kind of had this, uh, almost an epiphany where I was like, okay, I, I kind of need to, I need to understand who I am in relation to this religious system I was brought up in, see if it holds water, if it's applicable, let's keep it around and try to work with it. If not, Let's try to figure out something else. And um, there were some um, teething issues. There were some problems, you know, a bit of angst yeah, that uh, led to some, uh, some wild moments, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all, we've, we've all had a few moments where we've just gotten a little too... Uh, yeah, oh, too yeah. Into of course, it. That's, that's, uh, comes with the territory of being Dude, a teenager. Me, you and know Nate, I mean? me and Nate have some, like... <laughs> Jeez, I don't even want to get into yeah, it. Yeah, those have. are something... That's, that's, are that's some for the memoir. That yeah, that's off, off Nate, mic, bro. maybe. That's for the memoir yeah, yeah, on my deathbed. Remember that one time? We have so many fucking... Funny stories. Yeah, yeah. I'll just leave yeah. the funny stories. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm just interested. When was the first time that like, you're, okay, you know what? I feel like drinking. I want to have a drink. Like what, what caused you to? Yeah. And were you like very anxious about it? And like, fuck, I'm kind of going against everything I was taught or what? Yeah. I think that one of the first moments was there was some house party. Oh. Um, yeah. But we'll talk yeah. about it later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, there was just like a house party of a friend of ours threw. And around the time I kind of started dabbling in maybe being my own person, for lack of a better term, you know, kind of curiosity yeah, was yeah. taking over. Yeah, yeah. And um, I went a little way too hard in it because I think all this, <laughs> yeah, all this like repressed uh, understanding of, you know, who I was, yeah. and how to deal with that mixed with this desire to also around that age, you know, people started to drink and stuff and I wasn't of drinking. Course. So I always kind of viewed it as like, oh, it's a cool edgy thing to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's fucking sick. Let's mm. go. And uh, so I went a little too ham. And uh, <laughs> I think a little is an understatement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man went ham. Uh, your boy lost the plot. And uh, <laughs> the, beast, the beast was unshackled. Yeah, it was Engaged, not, it was not yeah. good. And so, in hindsight, I feel like my transition to understanding who I am now could have been a little smoother. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, you need to fall off your bike to get back on it and understand how not to like, fuck yourself up. So, wise, wise words. Thank you. Wise words and also very politically correct words, because it started with a 
with a drunk experience and mm. it got referred to as just falling off you know the bike and getting back and home. I, I'm, I'm doing my master's at the diplomatic academy of Vienna, <laughs> so you're bro. super I, do- yeah i've been tra- so I'm, tra- I'm yeah. being trained to you know kind yeah. of he knows finesse way, the yeah. situation yeah. but then you, you i mean i'm assuming you fucking loved your experience in ic right oh like, yeah you wouldn't I, have traded in for for you know no definitely not yeah i think it was fantastic for all the for all the weird moments that i had i think it was fantastic. I met amazing people. I it's going to sound corny as shit, but I met myself, kind of came into my own, figured out who I was. And then, um, and I wouldn't trade it. Like you said, it's, it was in- incredibly and important. Then after that, AUB, right? You, you started AUB. Yeah, I went to AUB. I remember before AUB, he had like this deep obsession where he wanted to move to Leeds. And like oh my God. Leeds? <laughs> yeah, as yeah. in Leeds in the UK. Leeds Leeds. Yeah, the UK, yeah, yeah. That's random. Okay. No, yeah. the music, apparently but. it was like, it, there's a good music scene, but also apparently it was just like a party school. And at the time, you know, coming out of that, I was like, ah, fuck it. So you were super into like parties and music. This yeah. started in, in high school with this whole like obsession with music and parties. No, no. I've, I've always kind of been obsessed with music. Okay. And, um, but... I think it was me kind of coming to grips with um, the fact that I felt like once I pushed the envelope and started drinking, because our family are we're dry Baptists, so we don't drink. Um, it's part of the system. Not everyone does it, but we do it. So experiencing alcohol and stuff like that, I felt like I maybe needed to push it a little too far, make up for lost time, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And be like, okay, cool, let's let's get it going. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a whole thing. But uh, but I kind of went through this phase where I was a little, uh, I was almost enamored with the idea of being, um, being just like wild and out there and shit. And, and I kind of guess I, I simmered down a bit, but yeah, I kind of, I was like, let's go find a school that's yeah. lit that nobody yeah. knows me fucking yeah. UK yeah. Yeah. and let's just get fucking annihilated. While this was happening and you were like, you're saying self-discovery and, you know, experimenting and doing whatever, which is what we all did. But, uh, was there a lot of friction as well from your parents or was it more, okay, we understand you have your own path and we'll accept yeah. it? Well, initially there was a bit of friction. Okay. Um, like, okay, calling back to what I had said earlier, kind of being the eldest, the eldest kid and being the representative of what my dad and my family stood for. Um, I was kind of always known as like the Christian kid, you know, missionary kid, doing this, that and the other thing. And so the friction was not necessarily just because my dad was like, I don't believe in what you're doing, but also I think maybe more internally, I would go out on a limb and say like also externally that um, it, w- it was, it was kind of like, oh man, you know, fuck the eldest kid, the guy who's supposed to carry the torch, carry the flag, you know, he's not about it. Like what? The he's carrying a bottle of vodka. <laughs> exactly. I walk, yeah. stumbling at three o'clock he's in the afternoon. The yeah. And he's like, God damn, what did I do? <laughs> but he doesn't swear, so you just be like, oh no. Gosh, darn, yeah. gosh oh, darn it. Gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, so, um, yeah, I think that that was like a, that was a difficult thing to finesse and work through. But I do owe it to my parents for being great people that over time, when I was less aggressive about my acting out and I kind of mellowed, we engaged in dialogue more readily and we came to, terms for lack of a better term yeah uh yeah about how uh, who i am what i stand for and that at the end of the day even though there are lifestyle differences my parents still love me so i think that's kind of fucking sick actually because i know people who if they come from a religious family they can get 
fucking cut out, yeah. excommunicated. Oh, alienated, excommunicated. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. just going yeah. to say while you, were, while you were saying that you have a great relationship now with your parents and you're able to find that middle ground and understanding. And especially in Lebanon, you have so many families that are quite religious and very extreme in the way that they want to impose their religion on their kids. And then you either have two situations where there's no relationship between the parents and the kids anymore and they become outcasts or where the kids have to constantly lie to their parents and live a double double, double lifestyle and which kind of fucks with you mentally, in my opinion. It's heartbreaking, bro. Yeah. Can you imagine your parents... The, the only thing you want as a child, literally, is your parents' acceptance. And obviously to chase girls because you're horny as shit and stuff. <laughs> but like, other than, <laughs> other than that, that's the only thing you're looking for. And to, to, to be kind of... Um, alienated just because you don't see eye to eye with a certain thing it's it's like I'm, I'm it's amazing that they were so accepting and they realized and they were kind of rational about it because that doesn't happen a lot here you know yeah. well to be fair though i'm not like completely an open book with them about things i think as, <laughs> as time has okay. gone on i think like they assume like my, they know that i've like drank before and stuff like that but i think they don't they don't know the extent of it and it's kind of like a are they gonna hear this I don't care. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hi, mom. Hi, dad. How's it going? Yeah. Uh, nah, it's all good. Like, they know, but whatever. So I think that they assume that maybe I get up to some mm. shit. But, but, they, but they're like, turn like, a blind like as long as you're just like, as, as you get everything done, you get your shit done yeah. and you're still a halfway decent person. Yeah. Then like, and okay. I think, and I think obviously, I so guess. when you started studying in university in AUB, you started becoming, I remember you started living by yourself for a while. So that independence, that independence and you being able to get your shit done showed them that at the end of the day, it's not affecting your lifestyle in a negative way. Mm -hmm. So no, so AUB was, was I'm, I'm assuming, a fucking amazing time. And like, Tadi was telling me you're super into music as well. So, I mean, we take it for granted, the music scene in Lebanon and, you know, the nightlife scene is fucking amazing. You know what I mean? So that was that like a kind of an eye-opening? Yeah, definitely. I, I think that, and I think that a lot of people experience that if they stayed here. Um, for undergrad. When I was younger, I kind of always thought that Lebanon doesn't have anything, especially not having an older brother who went out and went clubbing or whatever, or older sibling. I always thought like, oh, Lebanon ain't, ain't, ain't shit. All it is is fucking, you know, Caprice and all that stuff, you know, just like these bougie fucking whatever. And, um, and then when I stayed around, I was like, oh shit, there's actually a fucking vibe. You know what I mean? Like people get lit. And so, um, I think you even told me about like a few like a few parties that from the forest or something like that. Yeah, there's a quite a few. There were forest raves vibes that were really sick. I don't know if they still do them. Probably not, but especially now, uh, understandable. But there was you could find almost anything, man. Like there were some good vibes. There was that uh, that Yukunkun. Yukunkun was at the beginning of Jamaica. Yeah, Yukunkun is a, a fucking times. vibe. Like no it's, one it's ever. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. small. It wasn't really known. Like no one so almost people. ever showed up. Yeah, but like it's better because it's not as crowded as like a fucking bo or a garden. Yet you get a very like the crowd that's over there is such a laid back crowd. You mm. can literally go there and start talking to anybody over there, and you can have such a genuine conversation. A lot of music variety too. Yeah. There'd be nights where it's like UK jungle and shit, and then someone would be playing minimal techno the next night, and then someone's playing like I don't know. Um, UK garage and shit. It was just a very cool variety. Yeah, no, the uh, Lebanese scene is really sick, and um, it's two sides to the coin because, like you, like you mentioned, Caprice, and there, there are places like this. And I mean, I'm not gonna front like I've had a lot of fun at places like this. Oh, no. You know what to I mean? To be fair, it's a good time. I've had I've had some sick moments when you go to the thing, you're like, fuck it, let's just turn up. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. Like, I'm here for yeah. a vibe. Yeah. Let's get it going. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. Saying? But it's 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 like you're saying. It's there's two sides to it. There's, there's the really variety, there's the bougie kind of you know over the top uh, showmanship and let's get this, 
And then like you're saying, if you look hard enough, that's the thing, it's not very kind of apparent. If you look hard enough, you'll kind of find hidden gems like that. So the thing is, most of uh, the bars that we used to hang out in, in Marokhal got destroyed. The clubs, Am, Garten, I think most of us used to party there quite a lot. All got destroyed. So uh, just the whole mood right now in the country, I guess people aren't really looking forward to party. No. Per se. No. And that's a bit sad because that just ties back into the Lebanese crisis. And you weren't here when all this happened because that's when you went. So we didn't mention that you are now currently doing your master's in Vienna. Yeah, I'm abroad. I'm abroad. Yeah. And <laughs> how did it feel? Because I remember right before you went to Vienna, you were telling me, man, if I don't get the fuck out of here, shit's going to hit the fan. I feel like any day, shit can escalate. Yeah. And I remembered you when the thought of started yeah. over here. I don't know. I think I have a, a sixth sixth sense for that. You know, I have, I have some type of inclination where I can, I can read the vibe. Uh, I knew that things were going to go down. I don't think it was actually that much of a surprise. A lot of people, I think, felt the tension in the air and it was very thick. Um, so I decided, and at around that time, I also didn't have fuck all to do. I just quit my job and shit, and I was like, I need to. Where were you working? I was working at a software startup out in Rausche. It uh, is a. I'm not gonna plug them. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was all right. They were cool people. But, Look, like, if they're not paying you anymore, don't fucking plug. Exactly. Them. Now they're cool people, but like, nah. Respect. It wasn't for you. Not for me. Not what type? What type of stuff was it? So um, they did dental software, uh, cloud-based dental practice management. Um, solution, Fuck which me, allowed okay. dentists to run their office through like a cloud-based system. Looking back at it now, do you think that was the right decision or do you think maybe you could have tried either to work in a different industry in Lebanon or maybe put in more effort to try to look for something in the in Europe or maybe even start your master's earlier? Yeah, well, now. at the time, I figured, so I found a good job. Kind It just fell in my lap through a friend and um, I was having a good time in Beirut. Um, it was a good position, uh, and I figured I can do this to diversify my portfolio, especially considering that I studied history. I did history for an undergrad degree. Um, this was more of like a business sales type of thing? or It's just customer support, okay. basically. Um, and so um, I figured they'd be good. It gives me some variety, you know, R uh, round off all my edges. And yeah, fuck it, why not? So I did it, you know, Stuck around for a year, um, realized it wasn't for me, you know, all respect to the place, but it wasn't for me. And then I was like, all right, peace. I dipped. And then, um, yeah, around that time, I was like, okay, I need to do something. And um, I initially was thinking of applying to think tanks before I got the job in the United States. Um, I held off on that and I said, I think some, I need to, I need to make myself way more marketable, you know? with only having a history undergrad and like working for a year at yeah, a software startup, yeah, yeah. people are going to be like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, like, yeah. Why do we care about yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So I was like, I need to, I want to do a master's program to learn more, educate myself better and like open up more doors. Found an amazing program in Vienna and I was like, yeah, let's go. What, what are you doing your master's in? I didn't ask. Yeah, so the, the program is called Advanced International Studies. Um, there's a bit of a variety in it, a bit of international relations, a bit of law, um, Bit of, uh, bit of economics, some history, and uh, it's basically a system that, it's a really good program in Vienna, and it prepares people for uh, either diplomatic work or actually it's even so any, yeah, yeah, so many doors. Even so to consultancy, financial consultancy, it, it, there's a lot cool. of uh, applications to it, and yeah. highly recommend. It's very good. It's cool that you have a history major as well, like, <laughs> I mean, and then you've gone into something completely so 
yeah different from that as well now but uh mm. no i mean i i mean i can't imagine that experience of working and like did people i mean i wasn't sure exactly what you were doing but did people kind of take you seriously here i mean this ties back into yeah. growing up it's kind of the same thing like when they're dealing with nate armstrong yeah so it must have been a bit like that was actually in all honesty why i was hired in the first place oh so okay. um my friend told me that they were looking for someone to basically because it's a uh, it's a lebanese run company and they have clients in the united states and canada um at least at the time and stuff i think they might have expanded but they uh they wanted someone to at the time answer phone calls support tickets and whatever speaking in a fluent american accent you know help the customers make them at ease you're like okay i'm dealing with another american because regardless you know americans we are very insular let's say a lot of them are racist we'll be straight up but like whatever um they're a little scared and you know you don't want to answer the phone you're gonna have some people who be like oh is this an indian tech support company or whatever and then it's gonna be a whole thing. So I was actually, which is true, you know. <laughs> he's, he's right. No, no, it's no, 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 I, I, no, yeah. no. I know where you're coming from. Like for example, so because I, I was hired because I was an American, I have an American name. I didn't have to go by like an alias or anything, <laughs> and I could just speak with him normally. John Smith. John Smith. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, one time I answered a call from some office in Canada, and um, they were trying to figure out something. And basically, while I'm helping them go through it, uh, one of them goes, "So are you in the U.S.?" Now, I was, technically, I was supposed to be, right? And that was the cover story. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about it. But, um, but then they're like, where are you from? Are you Indian? What's your real name? And they started asking like all these questions, like straight up. They're like... Who has time to do this with? Like, I know. I was like... <laughs> I was like, pretty bored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, nah, no. Nathaniel Armstrong, what's up? Yeah. You know? Post up, bitch. Yeah, how, how would it be? <laughs> Trying to catch these hands, dog? Yeah. yeah but uh, now nah, I went through it. They're like, where are you from? And I was like... Chicago, Illinois, because that's where I live. And I was like, where's Park? Hyde Park, you know? Southside, University of Chicago campus on the outskirts, Blackstone Street. Where you at? Yeah. yeah, and they're like, oh, oh, okay, I'm so sorry. I'm like, yeah, for reals, you better be. You know what I mean? He says from Beirut. He says yeah. from Beirut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, bro, what the fuck you want? That's man? so funny, man. But yeah, so that's why I was hired. I was hired because they wanted a white guy on the, on yeah. the crew. And then they got like support in the States and stuff. And by then I kind of became redundant, but I transitioned to, to doing, I think, secondary support shit. Yeah. It just wasn't for me. I'll, a software startup world is fascinating and it's cutthroat and it's amazing and it's exciting and it's super boring sometimes. And it's everything you'd want if you're into that scene. And it just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. And like, I wonder what's happening to that company now. Apparently like, they're doing pretty well, actually. Really? Yeah. Um, right now in this current situation. Yeah. yeah, right, right now. Wow. Okay. Uh, the offices were like in Roshi, right? They had, yeah. yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. Had, they changed their name and stuff. And um, yeah, no, apparently they're doing really well and I actually mm -hmm. wish them all the best. Good for they, them. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, you know, because especially at the beginning, I saw like it's a fucking hustle, man. It's tough. It's tough being out here and like, you know, coding, making this process and stuff. And then on top of that, having to like market yourself to Americans. Um, and there's already so many different solutions in the, in the business for that and whatever. And you have to make yours the best. And you have to come from outside and pretend you're American because Americans don't trust anyone but Americans and shit. It's like going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was nuts. And so the hustle was real. You know what I mean? The grind was like, it was heavy. And I much respect. You know, it wasn't for me, but 
fuck it, yeah. Like you just shouts out to them. You gain great experience, and they know who they are. They know. Yeah, yeah. They know who they are. You don't pay me now, so I'm not showing you out by name. But you finished from them. You had like a year where you're trying to figure yourself out. Then you went to Vienna. You're excited about the Masters. Corona kind of fucked you over as well a bit. Corona fucked a lot of people over, didn't it? You know. And then you had like this whole domestic shit that's going on over here. Now you're going back to Vienna in a few days. I can't even imagine like what the fuck you'd be feeling and shit. Yeah, kind of like watching. I mean, I don't want to say watching from the sidelines, but you know, you, you missed kind of the main chunk you were in Vienna when between the Thoda and the economic collapse. And and obviously, like to me, you're, you are like an adopted Lebanese, not even adopted, you are Lebanese. You're you know Lebanese, what I mean? You grew yeah. up here, your, your friends are here, and, and your it's family not all, is here. Your, your you family speak is the language here. Pretty you speak well. to, yeah, and like not only have you accepted your surroundings, like everyone. You know, has accepted you. Like, Tari fucking loves you, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I love him too. Tari is, is kind of infatuated with you. Ooh. So, um, damn, it's making me sound a bit creepy right nah. now. <laughs> that was, by the way, no, no <laughs> creepy shit, no by the creepy. way, and a total platonic. It's all brotherly love. It's all, it's all brother, love, much love, baby. Platonic type of shit. So, it's no family one, business. Don't family, don't worry exactly. About it. But it must have been kind of tough seeing this country deteriorate on the outside. You know, from the outside. Yeah, it's weird. It is. Um, it's something where. I've talked to a few people about this and um, people who are here, people who are abroad, but are Lebanese. And um, the aspect of survivor's guilt is like, I think very present with a lot of people like, and it, I don't know how it would, if there's a proper term for it, having someone being abroad, but I go kind of go by survivor's guilt with that because I feel like to some degree, I abandoned this country. I'd been here for so long. Uh, we were here during the 2006 war. We stayed in 2008 with everything. I was around for all the shit. And then going abroad, especially just coincidentally within the few months that everything started popping off, I felt like um, like I should be there. I should do something. I can contribute. But um, at the same time, I was like, yeah, and I went through that whole internal dialogue. I'm sure a lot of Lebanese people have where they're like, well, I'm best suited abroad right now so I can fine tune my skills and then maybe come back and make a difference. There's a reason why, yeah, I, left. Yeah, yeah. There's a There's reason a reason why. why I left. But at the same time, you're like, nah, but fuck that. I wish I was here. And um, and I think it's like a continual conflict in your head. It is a vicious cycle, man. Vicious it's cycle. a vicious cycle. Because at Are the we same all, time... We've all felt bro, it. Yeah, because you can uh, stay here. Like, for example, after the explosion, if you... Like, there were the huge protests. Humongous protests. And these protests could have went way uglier. It could have been much uglier. Yeah. And lasted for longer If as people well. didn't have that thought, you know, because they think, they think to themselves in a way... I have to be. I have to be there. I have to do something. I have to be active to change that situation. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, no one wants to die for these assholes in yeah. power because it's yeah. not worth it. It's not. We've seen people have died because of that, and yeah. it's not worth it. So how do you help? The best way is for us to leave, do whatever we do abroad, then come back, come bring, back like and bring back time, what yeah. we did, and yeah. you know try to do but, our best. But the but life of an expat, bro, it because we've all experienced being expats. It fucking sucks, bro. Like, when you think about it, why do we have to leave? Why do we have That's to go... That's the biggest question, yeah. You know, to the... I mean, we've had it better than most being around Europe and stuff, but America and Canada, Brazil, all these places, like, why the fuck do you have to separate us from our families and, and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles and sometimes even moms and dads and stuff? Because of this fucking corrupt shit, like we, we, we have to go across the world and have 10 hours time that when, when they wake up here, you go to bed there and vice versa. And you, what kind of life is that? For what? Listen, you know what I mean? For, like for what? I, what purpose? I, I'm all for foreign exposure. I 
and I remember we spoke with Yasmin on the episode of Yasmin about this. Every person I feel should actually go, regardless of which country they come from. Willingly, totally. Willingly, no, but Willingly. they should they should go and live abroad if they have the financial capability of doing so. I think people should live abroad away from home for a few years to gain exposure to meet new people. But at the end of the day, okay, you gain that exposure. Like, what? Why is it that none of us can really say, "I want to start my career over here. I want to build a career." Right? Given all the resources that this country potentially can have. Based off the geog- geographical location of this country, and then you see all the potential that you know if it is fulfilled. Why can't we start our careers over here? Why can't we build a decent living? Why should we be afraid of? Oh, if I'm gonna go for a walk on the street, some bomb can go off randomly. There shouldn't be this fear. Why should we have be tied to sectarian bullshit all the time? Yeah. People see Nate half the time they discriminate against him because what? Oh, I'm American, and yeah, I'm sure. That's a sociocultural thing. Yeah, is what um, I mean, so I don't, I don't, I get it though. Yeah. That's the one thing where like. I feel like even though I identify be- with being Lebanese for like, yeah, basically I do, but I get where it's coming from. You know, I, you know, you see like a white dude here and you're like, oh, what the fuck? But still, you know? there's, no, there's no, okay, we're disregarding that. Like there's mm-hmm. no reason mm-hmm. as to why none yeah, yeah, of yeah. us, if we really take the decision, oh, we want to start our careers here, mm-hmm. why this country can't provide it for us? Okay, it's, if that, yeah, if yeah, that's what you're yeah. pointing at, then I yeah. agree 100%. Yeah. It shouldn't be out of necessity, bro, to separate fucking families and, and it's ridiculous, bro. Of it's course, bro. Man, do you think, I'm a musician. Do you think if I couldn't study music here, I wouldn't? Yeah. If I could have a proper musical education here, I would have stayed. But I left at 18 because there was no way for me to study it here. I had to go abroad. I went to London. You know, went there. But And even now I'm back. There's no opportunity for musicians, even though talent... In is, this is country an is yeah. insane. Yeah. Is yeah, insane. Yeah. Some of the, the most talented people I've ever man. met yeah. Yeah. In, in whatever, in what whether it they play an instrument or they sing or they compose, they produce whatever. Yeah, the yeah. talent is there. It's fantastic. But the facilities are not. The, the man, it's, it's yeah. You have talent, but you have a wall in front of you. Mm. Yeah. I'm just. It's, it's it's kind of sickening to not have a choice of of doing something in your in your the country you grew grew up in. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's infuriating. To it's me. so. And it, it, supposedly a free country where you can choose to do whatever you want, well, and you have the cool. freedom. You can go and get into the industry. No one will tell you a single word. Uh, but it's you quote can't. unquote democratic, yeah. liberal, free speech country. Quote unquote, exactly, bro. Because it's it's ridiculous, man. It's the life of an expat is fucking infuriating, and I, I could go on for for forever about this. And honestly, my heart goes out to not people like us who kind of were very close by in Europe. It's people who are. Canada and Brazil and, and so who've had to uproot or, th- or even people who don't even have the chance to leave and that's people who thing. want to I leave as well, yeah. as well I think that's, that's true that's the balancing act that we that's have to true. do is that what, everything that happens here I think affects both parties equally but at the same time in, uh, in different magnitudes different ways and um, just because you're abroad I think that people experience that in a certain way and it is infuriating, but sometimes I'm, I always wonder, is it worse to be here and go through all this and not have mobility? Probably, True. but is, is it also terrible to be abroad and True. have mobility, but realize that where you want to reside, where you want to post up, where you want to be, is just not feasible, it's not workable. That's almost in its own way, um, its own problem, but I don't know. I'd Which hell would you choose? Which so, hell would I so choose? So between yeah. the staying here and rather, experiencing this shit. And straight go- up, I'd rather, be, I think most people would say that as well. I'd rather be able to go abroad and do what I'm doing right now. Mm. Because it's if, the logical if, choice. If I was trapped here and I had no mobility and I couldn't go anywhere and, what's, and, what's and my, left all to my do? money is in Lira right now and yeah. so recently everything's getting fucked. Mm. A good professor of mine in AUB just retired this year. Um, 
his retirement fund was all in Lira. And then once he retired, he basically got fucked. He's super old. I love him to bits. But um, yeah, imagine that. Imagine the amount of anxiety and stress this guy's feeling, for instance. And Nate also says it. And Nate, keep in mind, all three of us here, other than Nate, we went abroad, we studied abroad, we've been living abroad, we just came back now, whereas all this time when we were abroad, Nate was here. Nate, uh, yeah, yeah, so there's also, I'm sure that is also a big factor as to why right now <laughs> you left and... No, no, really it's, it's a logical... And it's a very logical it's thing. It's a logical yeah. thing. I just don't like the lack of choices between the two and what they kind of mean, yeah. you know? It's like exactly. two different, you have two extreme cases. It's literally two extreme cases yeah. in my in my opinion. I just wanted to ask you, because, I mean, I'm also, you know half finished so i i have my yeah I'm, I'm a foreigner i'm a foreigner so i have my own thoughts and opinions on lebanon and what it means to me especially having grown up here since i was like six seven but like as an adopted lebanese with the whole springfield missouri what does lebanon kind of mean to you you know is it home is it do you, is it where you most associate yourself with it? Like, what does Lebanon really mean to you? Yeah. Um, Lebanon to me is home. I think it's always been home, and I didn't accept that until I got older. But um, Lebanon to me is kind of like a um, like an abusive family relationship. And I mean that like with like, I know it's a little ridiculous to say, but I think it's, um, I, I kind of mean it sincerely, yeah. where it's it's like, I love it like a lot and it's given me a lot and I want to do a lot for it but it continually finds a way to kick me when I'm down or kick the people I love when they're down and I see the people around me get hurt and and so for me it's something where I I, I have it and it's something that's very beautiful and powerful to me but I wish it could be different and I don't even know how it could be different because that's all it is I don't know. That's why I try that's to. That's all you've known it as. That's all I've known it as, mm. and that's why I try to identify it as. Is like it's just some type of abusive relationship where you're like, maybe tomorrow will be better, maybe we can change it, maybe we can work at it, maybe we can do this, that, and the other thing. But sometimes I have moments where I'm like, will it ever change? Is it ever a thing? Should I jump ship? Should everyone jump ship? Should we say fuck it? No, of course not. It's home. Blah blah blah. And then it's just this endless cycle of like debate and interior dialogue. It is a very dialogue. vicious cycle. It's a very confusing cycle. It's a cycle that's kept many of us up until this day questioning everything and confused as fuck to be honest mm -hmm. so yeah man all I, all I can say is uh, Nathaniel Armstrong for president <laughs> <laughs> are you a Maronite? <laughs> are you a Maronite? Uh, no, no, that's no. all fucked up are you a Maronite? <laughs> no I'm not a Maronite oh, shit. Southern oh, shit. <laughs> Southern <laughs> Baptist and Gee. I don't think I'd be a I'm not the president type you know yeah yeah, oh, that's the president we need. A president yeah. that's not, not president the president type. We I need a, we need a fucking comedian. A comedian or like oh, uh, yeah, a, a fisherman. A fish. Yeah. Well, well, the person who picks up dog shit. I don't even know what the name is. Sukli. Oh <laughs> no. Exactly. Yeah, be better than the last few presidents. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But yeah. look, dude, it was um pleasure. It was a pleasure, and I've heard so much about you, and I think you've definitely because we went back to this. You've lived up to the expectations. No, thank you. <laughs> You're <laughs> a fascinating a guy. So thank, thank you, you for sitting with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Anrami, Spotify, Instagram, Facebook, and I'm a Sabal. Thank you. Also, we'd love your feedback, so please DM us on Instagram at fauda2020.